0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website, overflowdfw.com. Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn it on or open it up or however it is that you roll. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God, because of what Jesus Christ, the Lord, has done for us. How many are grateful for that? Because of our faith. Not because of our works. Not because we deserve it. Not because we're entitled to it. But because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we continually, or I'm sorry, confidently And joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. That's a good word. That's what we've been talking about over the last month. And we're so grateful that we're saved. We're so joyful that we're saved, that we're alive in God, that he's brought us in to this kingdom. And then look what it says in the next verse. I don't know like what he was thinking, but he says this, the Apostle Paul. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. What? I'll read that again. We can rejoice too, or also, when we run into problems and trials. Oh, that means that when something bad happens, you don't have to post it on Facebook. <laughs> right? When something bad happens, you don't have to call your girlfriend or text somebody. If something bad just happened. No, 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 no. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. How many of you want to be people of character? Well, you don't get character without endurance, right? Without trials and problems. We know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I like the way that one translation says that this, that those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, man, it's so easy. To celebrate and rejoice when everything's going good. Come on, there's money in the bank, right? You like everybody, everybody that you're rolling with, or you're just getting along, the kids are behaving, everything's just good, you got, you know, you got all the money for everything that you need, a little bit of what you want. It's easy to rejoice in those seasons, but he's saying here that even when it gets difficult, when we face problems, when we face trials, when we face difficulties, we can rejoice because we know it's during those seasons that we are being developed. I don't know about you, but I am very idealistic in my scheduling. And we got any planners in here? Um man, I, I, you know, I'm not naturally that way. I've kind of learned to be that way that, you know, I kind of keep a tight schedule. And, you know, I know what I'm going to be doing from like 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock and from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. And I have these blocks, man. And I, have, I actually have a calendar on my computer that tells me from this time I'm going to be doing this and, this and this and this and this. So I have my day like totally unscripted. But did you know almost every single day I get interrupted, something happens. Something happens to my schedule. I'll get a text message or a news, a news flash comes up or Leslie calls me. There's a problem at the house or I get some kind of thing. And typically, I don't do so well when that happens, right? It's like all of a sudden, something off the script happened, right? I get frustrated. So these difficulties happen. And, and if I'm not careful, I will allow even little bitty things like that to rob me of my joy. Anybody else? But Paul is telling us that you can consider it joy when that stuff happens. And let me just break it down real real for you. He wasn't talking about getting a notification about a news, some news that you didn't like or somebody lost a soccer game. He's talking about, man, their lives were really difficult. I mean, their brothers and sisters in the Lord were dying every single day that they were suffering great persecution for their faith. They were dealing with real issues. And I'm not minimizing your issues, but I I want you to understand, if they can rejoice in something so massive, then we can rejoice... Rejoice even in something that might feel massive at the minute, but in perspective, it's small. And listen, it's not just the unscripted things that go throughout our day that are little, that agitate us, that aggravate us. But listen, it is the big things in life also. When you get a poor report from the doctor. Come on, whenever you get that slip or that email in your inbox telling you that you no longer have a job. Come on, whenever you, whenever you and your spouse have a disastrous event happen in your relationship. We are talking about the huge Huge things in life. Paul is telling us that when you face problems, you can have joy. See, the reality is is nothing goes according to plan. There's always events that happen that are unscripted. And those are the things that mold us. So remember this when you're going through the unscripted things, right? Right? the the hardships, the problems, the trials. Remember, number one is this. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Uh, This past week, uh, my family and I, we went to Austin just to, our our amazing in-laws have a timeshare that they let us use uh, once a year. So we went up there and we spent just a few days in Austin, just relaxing, kind of trying to wind down a little bit. And I, every time I go on a trip, I like to pull out my GPS and plug in. In fact, I use two GPSs. It's so weird. I plug in my, my stuff into a GPS and then I allow the GPS to navigate me to where I'm going, right? And it's Siri. Hey Siri, take me to Wyndham in Austin. And so here I am, get on the highway and I'm driving down and it's Siri's right there to tell me. In 300 feet, turn right, right? How many of you guys know what i talk about? And man, I love it that I can look down and I know, man, I'm going to be there. I'm going to at, at be there at 8.05. I'm going to be there at 8.05 point 30 seconds, right? I mean, it is totally figuring out where I'm at and where I'm going. It's telling me where to turn. And it's awesome. I love it. It's totally scripted for me. I know what to expect, right? But sometimes I miss the cues. Anybody else? And all of a sudden, I'm like, your, your exit is coming in 30 feet. And you're like, oh, maybe they didn't get, get the map. You know, this happens when you go to downtown Dallas. They don't have all the roads figured out yet. And you're like, well, I, I don't know how to go anywhere. And then you go off. And then all of a sudden, you're off the script, right? And here you are. You're like driving downtown. You're like, oh, where am I going? And you hear this redirecting route, right? Because that device knows where you're at and knows where you're going. Can I tell you that God knows where you're at, and knows where you're going, and he knows how to get you right back on track. So God always has a plan. He knows how to redirect your routes. Have you ever got, you guys ever watched those heist movies? There's a great heist movie. that just came out called Solo. Don't believe the press. It's awesome. It's really a high, it's a Star Wars movie, but it's really a heist movie. It's incredible. There's, tons of heist movies. We've all seen them, right? And they're all kind of the same. They're all really the same. They all have a different, you know, characters and different stories, but they're really all the same, right? Usually we're cheering for a criminal, right, to get a bunch of money. Typically that's usually what it is. Typically for him to be a sinner and we're like celebrating, yeah, go rob the bank, right? That's always so weird how our standards are like that. So most most of these movies, right, they go around, and they have this plan, and we're watching it. We're super involved in the characters, and we're like, yeah, they're going to pull the heist off. We're cheering, you know, and I shouldn't be cheering for this guy, but I hope he gets all that money. And they go, and they go, and they figure it all out. and They've got their time, you know, their watches set and everything, and then something happens, right? Something off the script, and, they, and that, the heist doesn't happen. You guys, right? You guys don't want to talk about So you watch the movie, and you're like, oh, you're so disappointed. And then the next scene. There's a the guy right he's got like the keys to the car or he's got the bags of money in his car why because there was a plan underneath the plan a plan that you didn't see but the Heist movie always shows up and there it is it ends up being better than what you expected or were led to believe and this is exactly the way God is in our life he's always working underneath the surface we don't always know the details we don't always we don't always like the details we don't like the the discomfort of being in the process but God is always Always working underneath the surface for your good. Listen, so God always has a plan. Number two, God's plan involves a process. Uh, we don't like process, right? We want results, right? The process is not in the script, right? You don't, you don't say, well, I'm going to go to college for six years, and when I get out of college, I'm going to get a job in the field of which I studied, and how many of you know that rarely happens? So you spend the next $200,000 and the next eight years going to college to get out to, not, to get a job that's not in your field. Totally off the script. We love the result, the idea of the result. We hate the process. Right? Check this out. Uh, Romans chapter 5, what we just read in the NIV says it this way about the process. We rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. What is he talking about? He's talking about a process. The problem initiates a process in our life for us to be developed. Right? And listen, process is not idle waiting for this thing to pass. Well, I'm just kind of sitting here waiting. Listen, when you're in the process, you dig in. You invest fully into the process just like you fully were invested when you started. You just dig in and you go through it all. And I know it's hard, but listen, you've got to if you do not dig into the process, the process will last longer. Because God is developing you. Don't take so long to develop. The longer you take to develop, the longer the process will take. Listen, the process is a time for us to discover and grow. See, the process... Prepares us for God's ultimate purpose. God is putting putting you through a process, not because he's mad at you or as he's disciplined you, it's because he knows that right now in your life, you don't have the capacity to handle what he wants to bless you with. So he's got to create in you the character, he's got to create in you the discipline. So whenever he's ready to 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 bring the big reveal, you can handle it. Amen. How many know that sometimes if God gave you what you want, it would crush you now? But later you'll be able to handle it. Process is where development happens. Let, let me say this God's plan for you has less to do with what you accomplish and more to do with who you are becoming. That's what the process is about. That's what God's purpose, that's what God's plan for you is about. It's less to do with what you do. It's more to do with who you are and who are who you are becoming. So, beloved, remember who you are. Remember whose you are, and remember who you are becoming in the process. Stop thinking, oh, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Start thinking, I'm becoming more like Jesus. You know, um, years ago, they used to make these things called uh, cameras. They still make cameras, but they made this, this stuff that you actually put inside of the camera called film. Everybody look at your neighbor and say film. And so now we don't really use film much, right, unless you're like a purist, uh, which is awesome because you love the process. And so now we just pull out our phone, take a picture. If we don't like it, we delete it. But back in the day, you, ha- you had to go to the store and buy this stuff called film. And you bought a roll of film, and you put it in your camera. And you can only take X amount of pictures. You, once you took them, they were taken. You can't delete them. Like, you took it, it's done. You go get it developed, it's probably going to be like your eye or some blur or something like that. You're like, dang it, I wasted that picture, right? It really bothered you. Now you just take another selfie. This was before selfies. You wouldn't want to waste film on yourself. You wanted to waste it on, or use it on moments. So you would take your picture, you know. And you would go, once you filled up your role, you know, sometimes you would take a bunch of pictures or you go to a wedding and they actually had what's called a disposable camera. And a, a, a disposable camera is just film with a camera on it. That's really what it is. And so what you would do is you would go and you'd take a picture. We you take that picture, it uses light and exposure and all these kind of things and it, and it burns the image on this stuff called film. Well, after you get the film, you had to go to a place that developed film. They had to process the film. And so when you took it to them back in the day when I was a kid, it like took several days for you to get it. So you would take it and you would go home and you go, I hope I hope that my my film comes. I hope they call me today on the telephone that's attached to the wall. I hope they call me and tell me that my film is ready. Right? Well, then something remarkable happened. They had these little stations. They look like little coffee shop huts, and you would drive up to me, and you'd drop your film off. And there was a person hey, "Hey, drop my film off. Is my film ready?" And then it's gonna be like three more days. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? And so you would get you would get your film, you drop it off. Well, then somebody came along and they said, What we're gonna do is we're gonna charge them more money and we're gonna develop their film, we're gonna process their film in one night. So the next day, you could have overnight development of your film. Isn't that awesome? Like the next day you could have physical pictures. Well, then somebody awesome like Walgreens or Walmart or somebody came along and said, You know what we're gonna do? We're going to do a one-hour photo. And so that was like a big deal, man, one-hour photo. You could drop your film off. that it took you three weeks to take all the pictures. They could develop your pictures in one hour. You could drop your film off and shop and spend all your money in the store and then go over there and spend your money. It's totally a marketing thing. And then you could buy your film all in one hour. And that was remarkable. We're totally, like, wasted now. And so the thing is, is... The reason why it took long is because there was a process in order to get it from the film to the picture. They would have to take that, a specialized person, listen, a specialized person who is specialized in developing film would go to a room called a dark room. And it was dark. How many know that most processing takes place? In the dark. And so they would take this film in the dark. They'd spend all this time using these tools, using these outside agents, these chemicals. They would agitate the film in the chemicals. They put it in water and they do all this stuff and they would develop the film. How many of you know that when you are in process, many times you are in the dark, and it is frustrating, and you can't really see what's going on, but there is someone who is specialized in developing, and he is developing you into an image, and the image isn't what you have in mind, it's what he has in mind. The image is Jesus, and he's making you like Jesus, so don't get so frustrated in the process. Just go, here I am. And when I'm developed, I'm going to look more like Jesus. He's making you like Christ. Romans eight Y'all okay? And we know, we love this verse. It's a great one. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. It's very important. Those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. Don't stop there. Verse 29. Oh man, God's just working it for my purpose. Here's your purpose. For God knew his people in advance. We knew. Now God knows his people in advance. And he chose them to be like his son. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming in the process? Are you becoming more like the frustrated you? Or are you becoming more like the perfected son of God? Listen, he is making you like Jesus. What is your purpose in life? I don't care about the it. I care about the who. Who are you becoming? You're becoming like Jesus, beloved. So that's how you can consider it joy. You go, man, it's hard. It's difficult. It's a struggle. It's frustrating. But I'm becoming like Jesus. I'm more like Jesus than I was three weeks ago. That's good news. Now, many people have misused this passage. Many people have used this passage, and they'll say, well, everything happens for a reason. The Bible says right here in Romans chapter 8 that everything happens for a reason. Listen, it sounds spiritual. To say everything happens for a reason, it sounds spiritual, but it's not very sound. Because if you think everything happens for a reason, because you're so spiritual, then you think Nazi Germany happened for a reason. You think 60 million babies being aborted in America is for a reason. You think that all the slavery and the mistreatment of people and racism, you think that that's for a reason. And many people would say, have the audacity to say that God has a reason for that. God will move in spite of it. But listen, the reason that those things happen are not because God planned it, but because people are stupid and people are evil. That's why evil things happen in the world. Not because God planned them, beloved. Not because God planned them, but because people chose them. So don't use that scripture for that. Listen, not everything happens for the comfort of your life. But for your conformity to the image of Christ. Everything, everything that happens to you, hardships, difficulties, all of it. God's just making you like Jesus. The Father's just making you like Jesus. So don't complain, cuz Jesus isn't a complainer. Come on. Don't get frustrated cuz Jesus isn't frustrated. You're becoming more like Jesus. It's not for your comfort. Many, many of you use this passage to say, well, God's, God's working for my good. In other words, God is working for it to be a situation that I like. God's working it so I'll be comfortable. And we think God's working it for my good means the way that I like it and prefer it to be. But that's not the case. Because Listen. Listen, there is nothing comfortable about being in process. Nothing comfortable. But what God is doing when it's difficult is he's making you like Jesus. See, the plan, God's plan for you is for you to look like Jesus. That's his plan. God wants your plan for my life to look like Jesus. Well, what else? Is that enough? It's not about getting what you want. It's about being like Jesus. Well, I am like Jesus, except for in the humility department (laughs) or the priority department. See, God's plan for you is not about you. It's about him. Your plan is about you. You should have a plan. There's nothing wrong with having a plan, but your number one plan is to be like Jesus. Listen, it's not about what you're going through. It's who you are becoming. So don't get it. Messed up. So how do you sustain joy? We talked about that. You think, well, God's making me like Jesus. Yeah, how else? Let me give you some practical things. Number one, stay in the pocket of loving God. What is the pocket? The pocket is the place of loving God. Stay in the pocket. Bass players. What makes a great bass player is they can just play in that pocket. Boom. They fill it all up. You're like, oh, yeah. You can't dance without that bass. You just can't. Yeah, you got to stay in the pocket of God's love. See, many people quote this verse, they they, they declare it over people that don't love God. That that scripture does not apply for people that don't love God. That that scripture is for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, how many of you have given your life to Jesus? Okay, two of you, great. All two of you, listen, this scripture applies for you because you've been called according to his purpose. Well, how do I know I'm called according to his purpose? Because if, if you had a drawing in you and you said, man, I need to come to Jesus, then that was God calling you for his purpose. But it says this before that. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So this scripture about God working everything for good is if you love God. So you don't get to go, oh, God, oh, everything's going to pan out because, because God's good. It's going to pan out. No, 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 no. It's only going to pan out if you love God and you're called according to his purpose because he's working in those that love him. Those that love him back. Amen? Listen, what we're talking about is, is a willing and obedient spirit. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means that you're saying yes to Jesus, that your life mostly is a yes, that you're not like, Lord, I resist you. I resist. No, no, no. You're just like, yeah, God, I want to serve you. I want to love you. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you have a willing and obedient spirit. Check this out. Psalm 37, verse 23. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. If the Lord delights in a man's way. Now, the Lord delights in you, right? He loves you. He delights in you. But does he love your ways? Does he delight in the way that you're living? Are you loving Jesus in the way that you live? Some of you say, well, I was, but I've fallen off. That's okay. As long as you recognize you've fallen off and you get back on track, you hear that redirecting route. Pick you up, set you right back on. And listen, don't, don't believe the shame that it would say all those years that you served God and then you quit serving God for a little while, all those years are wasted. No, they're not. You pick right back up where you left off. I love that about God. He's such a good redeemer. He's such a good redeemer. He rede- and he redeems the time that you weren't even serving him. He goes, huh, we'll just kind of make up for that. You all right? He's a redeemer. He's good at redeeming. Amen. And uh, so stay in the pocket of loving God. That means that you live like you love God. How do we know the love of God, First John? How do we know the love of God? That we obey Him. Well, they love God, but they're not obeying God. They don't love God. Listen, if you, are, if you don't have a big yes in your heart towards God, you don't love God. Don't tell me you love God. Because don't tell me you love God of the Scriptures and then say the Scripture isn't true because you say, well, I love God because I intentionally love God. In my heart, I feel like I love Him. We're not talking about your feeling. We're talking about your obedience. We're talking about the delight of your ways. Y'all okay? I know I'm preaching hard today, but it's for real. Like, don't be don't be going around quoting scriptures that don't apply to you. We okay? Am I being too critical and judgmental and harsh and all that kind of stuff that people don't like or some people really like? Okay. Um, stay in the pocket. So stay in the pocket. Number two, create margin. Let me help you. So I started doing this thing. Everybody say create margin. So I I started doing this thing um, during during school season season, whatever. Uh, during school time, I would take Judah, uh, drop Judah off at school and I'd go to the gym. And so I still go to the gym every day. But what I decided to do is on Wednesdays, instead of going to the gym, I'm gonna to go to an outdoor gym. I'm gonna go hike for like the 40 minutes that I was spending the gym. And now it's ended up being like an hour and a half. So I'm finding like all the research on the internet. Where could I find the best place to hike? And so I, Leslie got me some, some, uh, some hiking boots for shoes. I don't really wear boots, but got me some hiking shoes for, uh, for Father's Day. And so what I'm doing is every Wednesday night, I'm calling it, or Wednesday morning, I'm gonna call Office in the Wild. So what I'm doing is I'm going out, I'm making my gym uh, outside. I'm finding some trail, and I'm going hiking for an hour, an hour and a half. That's my gym time. And then I just set up shop right there. I pull out my laptop. i got my coffee and got a little snack, and I'm, I'm studying before the Lord. It's great, great time to just connect with the Lord. And so I'm doing office in the wild. And so... What, what, I've, what I've noticed is that when I go on these trails, there's a lot of really well-marked trails. Like some of them are really good. But sometimes when you're on those trails, like they're all like, you know, they're all clean. And, you know, they, somebody's went in there and they dug up all the weeds. Well, then every once in a while you'll see one of these little trails that go off in another direction. And if you're a man, you know what it is. You see that trail and you're like... I wonder where that goes, right? And so, it, I mean, it's like an open invitation. There is a trail there. It looks like it's been down, walked down once, but I'm gonna take that trail and see where it goes because there's something over there that needs to be discovered. Let's just be real. And so most of the time I see those little trails, I'm like, all right, and, and it, if it ends up going pretty bad or goes too far, then I'll come back, which never happens. And so you, you just take the trail, right? So you start walking the trail. And you know what I found on my little journeys I've been taking on Wednesdays? I found that some of the best stuff that i found on my trips are on these B-trails that aren't even on the main trail. You know what else I've found? Is that most of the time when I'm off on that little trail, on this little margin trail, I'm not only have I found some of the best stuff, usually that trail ends up connecting back to the main trail again. They all end up in the same place. But you know what? If I went out there and I said, well, at 10 o'clock I need to be done so I can sit down to study and make sure I can hear from God and I've got to program God into the little thing and i got to be home at 10 and I'm so that I miss all those things. Because I was in such a hurry to get through the process. Such a hurry to get through the process. Beloved, create margin. Uh, paper. We don't use a lot of paper anymore, but used to when you got notebook paper, you remember when you were in school, it had a little side over there called the margin. So you had the script over here, and then you had the margin where you could make notes. Listen, life happens in the margin, that's where life happens your plans your all that kind of stuff but the the greatest things that you're going to experience are going to be learned through these things so chill out blessed are the flexible for they won't get bent out of shape right chill out relax great scripture proverbs 16:9 we can make our plans we should make our plans but the lord determines our steps make your plans but be be a little loose on them. Relax. Because if you don't, you're going to miss the blessing in the margin. Number three. This one's fun. Don't over-spiritualize. What happens is, like, we're, like, serving God, right, according to script. And then something happens, an event happens, and this is what we do. It's the devil. Yeah. Right? Not today, devil. Right? We're like, no, devil has a That event was the devil. Sometimes it is the devil, or we go, God, God did this. It was, it was so the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes that off the script stuff is the Lord, but sometimes it's just life. How many know that life isn't fair? Life isn't fair. You don't have to tell anybody about it ever again, right? You don't tell. Everybody knows. Everybody else understands. We don't need to hear you talk about how miserable you are and how bad life is. We all already know. We are all experience the same thing. It's called life. And life has ups and downs and difficulties and struggles and all these unscripted things happen. Don't over-spiritualize those things. It's called life. You know, the apostles weren't like, oh, our brothers are dying. What are we going to do? The future of the church. The church won't survive. They They killed all of the disciples. Except for one. Died a martyr's death. Christianity survived. They weren't like apologics. We need a new king because they're killing all the disciples. No. No campaigns. They had one campaign, the kingdom. All right. Don't over-spiritualize. Listen, believe a Bible verse. Hold it dearly. But just throwing a verse out there because you're afraid is just going to frustrate you further. So we have these little things we say as Christians because we're so spiritual it's so frustrating. And we throw these old things around thinking it's going to help. I'll oh, just say the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You say it like 15 times. I'll say the name of Jesus. If I say in the name of Jesus, then the demon's got to leave. Not if you're afraid of them. They're not going to leave if you're afraid of them. The, ver- the verse ain't going to work out of fear. It's going to work out of faith. And so many times you're caught up in being spiritual that you're being super, super carnal, mostly because you're wanting to get out of something. You're wanting to get out of something that's off the script. Beloved, you cannot pray away or faith away trials. They're going to come. We cannot plan away the unscripted. We can't plan it away. No matter how detail-oriented, no matter how well your prayer life is, no matter how much time you're in the Word, Now those things will dictate how good you are in that process. Listen. However, those things are going to come. In fact, Jesus promised it. John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world you will. Not you might. Not if you read your Bible and pray or memorize scripture, you won't have it. No, no, no. He said in this world you will. You're going to have hardships. It's going to get difficult. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome it all. So listen, quit trying to get out of your difficulty, and get into Jesus. You're not going to get out of the difficulty. So get into Jesus and live the overcoming life through it. You okay? Sometimes, listen, we're talking, talking about being super spiritual. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to be honest, vulnerable, and real. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is for you to look at your spouse and go, I don't think God's going to take care of us today. Don't speak that. You've been thinking it the whole stinking time. Maybe you need someone to have faith for you, but they don't know where you're at. So you're you're walking alone in all your doubt and all your misery, and you need someone to, will you just be honest and real enough? That's real spirituality, not some fake facade full of faith thing that's not full of faith at all. It's just fear masquerading itself as faith. Number four, don't under-spiritualize. So we have the tendency, right? Some of us are like, oh, it's just the Lord. <laughs> Rainbow is the Lord's promise. I saw it on the bread when I was eating it, and I know that the Lord is going to provide bread for me today. Maybe. I know, but others others were real cynical of everything spiritual. Right? And so we're instead of being super spiritual, we're super carnal. So don't under-spiritualize. Proverbs 3 5 through 6. Trust. It's a hard word. Trust in the Lord with all. Oh my gosh. This is heavy. It's so inspirational, but heavy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. other words, oh man, this is hard. I don't get it. I, what, is, what is God doing? Is God in charge? Yeah, he's in charge. What, what, is, what is happening? Oh, just trust the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. And then it says this, in all, everybody say all. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Redirecting route. He will bring it in line if you will trust him. Listen, beloved, you are spiritual. Spiritual. I'm not talking about like Harry Krishna, whatever, Fruity Pebbles What's the first service. Spiritual. I'm not talking about you being spiritual because you're a spiritual person because you meditate. I'm talking about being spiritual is that you are connected with Jesus. Faith is, let me balance these two things out with this. Faith is evident in the tension of being sure of what he has promised, being spiritual, properly spiritually minded, be carnally minded as death, and the vulnerability of my trust in him. Man, I believe God. I know God's good. But also, like, right now, I kind of feel like I don't want anybody to hear this, but maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. And you take them both of those things in your hand and you go, I trust you. That's what faith looks like. We've made it this blabbit-grabbit kind of, I believe God. Do you? Maybe, maybe you're way more spiritual than I am because I'm not like that all the time. Number five, seek counsel. Seek counsel. The way of the fool seems right to him, Proverbs 12, 15. But a wise man listens to advice. So when you're going through the hardship and you don't know what to do, seek counsel. Now, when I say seek counsel, I don't mean put a poll on Facebook or a post but you sit down with somebody at a table, have a conversation. Not over tablets, over tables. Come on. I'm just asking for everybody's opinion. You will be more, the most confused person on the planet if you have everybody's opinion. You get two or three people that know you, that know God, and that know the Bible. Those are the people you want their opinion. If you're, if you're a child of God, that's the opinions that you want. You don't want to go out and and study all these secular sources. Listen, righteous counsel. Beloved, stop taking counsel from the wicked. Well, I read a blog that I should do this when I'm feeling discouraged. Was that person a Christian that wrote that blog? Well, I don't know. Well, you should know. You should know what you're reading. I mean, you you would know what you're eating, right? You wouldn't sit down at a meal and eat something and not know what's in it what is that? It tastes like cardboard. It's because it is cardboard. Oh, I'm not coming here again, right? Listen, don't, don't, I'm not saying that we don't, that we never use secular sources, but recognize that the world is your mission, not your source. The world is not there for you to eat from. The world is your mission, beloved. Listen, you need to know what the word of God says. You need to know if he's making you like Jesus, then you need to know what Jesus says. And sometimes that comes in the package of wise, righteous counsel for the people that God has put you in community with. You want God's opinion, and you want the opinions of those that know God, that know the Scripture, and that know you. So I would say don't go to non-Christian counselors. I would also say that you don't spend most of your time uh, in secular reasoning, godless reasoning. Are you guys with me? Not that there's anything wrong with it every once in a while, but that does not need to be the the chunk of your diet. Y'all okay with that? Or are you just going to stay right there? Okay, number six, we're closing with this. Ask God for wisdom and follow it. So I'm asking God, God, I need wisdom, and now I'm going to follow the wisdom. Listen, it doesn't make you wise to have wisdom. That doesn't make you wise. What makes you wise is what you do with the wisdom you have. In fact, it makes you foolish if you have wisdom and you don't use it. That's what we call a fool. So to be considered wise, you get wisdom and you follow it. God's wisdom. Here we go. James chapter 1, and then we'll finish. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Even James is saying the same thing. What? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. God's generous. God's generous with wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. God, I don't know what to do. I feel so vulnerable. I don't even know if you're good today. He won't rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty Is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Don't be tossed, don't be inconsistent. Seek God's wisdom. Seek God's way. And when you get the answer for that, when you know what His wisdom is, when you know what His wisdom says, when you know His way, and you follow that, then you're considered wise. Then you've learned. Listen, this is what makes you wise. You've learned from the process.